Welcome to episode 115 of The Recovery Show. This episode is brought to you by Natalie, Anthony, and Anne. They use the donation button on our website. Thank you, Natalie, Anthony, and Anne, for your generous contributions. This episode is for you. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes, and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. Our 12th step encourages us to carry the message to others. How have you done that? How can we reach out to sufferers who don't even know about Al-Anon? Today we're going to talk about outreach and service. Before we begin, we would like to state that though we at the Recovery Show may be in a 12-step program, we represent ourselves rather than the program. During this show, we will share our experiences as they relate to the topic of outreach and service. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and you can rest. We hope that you'll find something in our share that speaks to your life. My name is Spencer, and I'm your host today. Joining me is co-host Eric. How are you doing today, Eric? I'm doing well, Spencer. Um, Beautiful morning here in Greenwich, Connecticut. Yeah, it looks beautiful here. I haven't actually stuck my head out the door yet to to see what it feels like. Good to be with you this morning. The first segment of today's episode of The Recovery Show will be our discussion of the topic outreach and service. Following a short break, we will talk about our lives in recovery, about how we practice these principles in all our affairs. We'll follow that with your email or voice contributions and some brief news about the podcast before closing. So I have a reading. This came from um, a document titled Public Outreach on the website of Ontario South Al-Anon Alateen. I want to thank Eric for uh, sending that to me. Our public outreach is based on the following spiritual principles that promote unity and clarity within the fellowship, as well as awareness and hope outside the fellowship. Whenever there are questions concerning public outreach, it is helpful to return to these spiritual principles for resolution. Members and groups carry the message. Outreach is based on attraction rather than promotion. Personal anonymity is maintained at the level of press, radio, films, TV, and the internet. Cooperation and goodwill strengthen public outreach. Members continually broaden the way they carry the message by using new and innovative forms of communication. When I saw that, and particularly that that last bullet, I thought, well, new and innovative forms of communication. Here we are. Uh, podcast is uh, sort of new and innovative. It's been around for about 10 years now. And some of these other points here are, uh, are things that have definitely um, considered in the formation of the podcast. Um, so, Eric, how... How did you first get involved in doing some public outreach? Um, I uh, my home group is is uh, right here in town in Greenwich, and I was in program there for about uh, I want to say a year and a half or so. And um, two people came to speak one day. Um, PK and David uh, came to speak, and it turns out they had started a public outreach committee. In this district, they were a little further away, um, about 20 miles, 15 miles up, uh, I think, in Fairfield, Connecticut. And they were uh, made the, their uh, mission to go to other meetings and speak about public outreach and what they were trying to do. And they spoke. And um, what moved me about it was, uh, after thinking about it, after they had um, come to speak, about their efforts in trying to get the word out to the public, 
not how to find their way into the rooms. Um, I started hearing a, a, a phrase over and over at meetings, and it was it didn't matter if it was somebody that was in the rooms for 20 minutes or 20 years. I kept hearing, uh, I wish I'd known sooner. And I think that's what moved me uh, to step up, you know, and get involved in public outreach. So it was word of mouth, um, you know, people getting out and going to other meetings and uh, trying to attract a little attention to their committee that was serving uh, to do public outreach. Mm-hmm. And and so how did you um, then follow up on that, that feeling that you, this was a thing you wanted to do? Yeah, I called Pete. Um and um, asked him a little more about, you know, what is public outreach and how could I help? And he said, well, we uh, we have a committee that meets about once a month. And why don't you come up and sit in and see if it's for you? And I did. Um, and we started, I think, one of the earlier tasks. It was only three of us, even two of us sometimes. Um, we started with various ideas and uh one of them was just a letter campaign to, um, I think the first one was to doctors. Mm-hmm. There are these templates for outreach letters, open letters to spiritual leaders, uh, doctors, therapists, lawyers, even, are all on the Alan on website under public outreach. Yeah, and I think that you sent me those links, and I will be... Uh, posting those links on the website of The Recovery Show um, in the notes for this episode. So um, if you're listening and this sounds interesting to you, this sounds like something you'd like to get involved in in your district and maybe maybe it's not happening there, you can go to therecoveryshow.com slash 115 and uh, find those links uh, directly. And, and thanks, Eric, for providing those links. Sure. Yeah, there's a lot on the website. Um, there's a specific entire category on the homepage for literature at the bottom that says public outreach. There's a lot of good stuff on there. What happened was when Pete stepped down uh, from his service role as chair for public outreach for our district, I was co-chair with him for the last year or so of his term. And when he stepped down, I, I took over as chair and still and remain as chair for public outreach for this district. And we have, uh, the committee's grown to, at times, six or seven people in attendance, but the list of subcommittee chairs and, and total participants is over uh, 10 or 12 people. So it's uh, it's flourishing quite well here. Really? You said you started by sending letters to doctors, you thought? Yeah, I don't recall the first letter campaign, but yeah, we just basically composed a letter saying, you know, what is Al-Anon uh, and how it has helped us. Um, and, you know, how to find meetings and how they can, you know, with their clients, uh, who are in need, you know, give them some support and, uh, find their way into the rooms, which is kind of what it's all about. Mm-hmm. And I think from there, we actually did, that. We did another campaign to, uh, treatment scientists and therapists yeah. uh, to let them know, you know, how to reach out and get help for people in, in, uh, in need, their clients. Yeah, I have a friend in the program who's a therapist and who, after she got into the program, said, you know, she she learned during her training as a therapist almost nothing about addiction recovery and 
you know, recovery of the family. It seems to be maybe a lack in, uh, in, an, in, in some education programs. And so uh, it seems like doing this outreach and letting people know, even if we think, you know, oh, they're professionals, they, 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 they know this stuff already. Well, apparently sometimes they don't. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's always amazes me that um, people that we kind of in program just would assume would know where to find help. They don't. They don't necessarily. And I, I really find it gratifying that we can, as a group, provide a way for them to learn about where where help exists. And uh, and in this district alone, Spencer, which encompasses probably twenty square miles, maybe maybe a little more. Um, there are twenty nine meetings a week within nice. a fifteen minute drive. Yeah, nice. so there's plenty of help out here, and it's always really surprising to me. I went into a treatment center, not a treatment center, but uh, someplace 10 miles away and where they treat all kinds of things. There are probably a dozen therapists on staff, children to adults and everything in between. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had no no knowledge of that or not. And uh, I, I gave them a whole stack of literature and invited me back. And it's just really surprising. I, I Years ago, I had a therapist I met with uh, with my young daughter, and I asked her once, you know, how many of your clients in, in her practice had about, again, 10 or 12 therapists, and, and uh, I jumped to a church, how many of your clients, you know, is substance use an issue in their environment, in their family or friends? And uh, I was guessing she might say 30 or 40%. She said about 90%. Wow. That's, that's stunning. And, uh, Wow. So, yeah. Um, so I'm I'm curious. I want to go back to you said you went into a practice and you you gave them a bunch of literature and, and talked to them. Was this essentially um, what you might call a cold call? Had you established some uh, relationship or connection with this this practice before you went in? How did that work? Someone else on one of the subcommittees who deals with uh, therapy therapist groups had tried to call on them. And, um, yeah, literally did a walk in mm-hmm. and didn't get very much, uh, of a reception. And, okay. uh, so I, uh, I likewise just, just did a cold call as well. And it was a different person mm-hmm. than she had met. And, uh, he was very receptive and took all of the literature and, and uh, gave me his card as well as the director of the program's business card to follow him up with. So it's, um, it's like anything, a little bit of persistence, maybe sometimes, uh, to find the right person that understands that this is something that can help. And, um, if not, that's okay too. We'll move on. There's plenty of other places to look and distribute stuff to help people with. I mean, we put things in libraries and hospitals and, and all over and they get picked up. And they get picked up and that's the, the key. So libraries, uh, does, did, Libraries have some sort of a community literature rack or something, or do you talk to the librarian about placing it, or how does how does that work? Yeah, they generally have a bulletin board or a literature rack that other people use for community announcements or events. In general, uh, we like to ask either uh, the reverend at a church or the librarian, or the someone at the desk, if it's okay. Um, I've seldom, if ever, been said told. No. (laughs) So uh, they're usually very receptive to it. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, then we post it. And then periodically, 
we go back and check, and uh, if it needs replenishing, which hopefully it does, we restock. And, uh, you know, hospitals, emergency rooms seem to be a great place. Now, when we talked last week, you had had an experience of a more personal and perhaps more public outreach yourself? Yes, yes. It's two of the items that are available for public outreach are public service announcements, um, one for radio and um, one for TV, mm-hmm. public uh, PSAs. Yeah. And I had sent the links for the PSAs to the local radio station here, which actually has a pretty wide broadcast range. And I asked if they would air them. Um, they said they would, and that was about two months ago. Mm-hmm. And I happen to know someone that has a radio program there who I called first and well-known public personality in town. Mm-hmm. And I, I asked him for, you know, who I could contact at the radio station to get the PSAs perhaps aired. At first I started by saying, do you know anything about Alanon? And thankfully he did. Otherwise it would have been a little harder road to, uh, mm-hmm. to go down, but he knew about Alanon. And he gave him the name of the person to speak to at the radio station uh, to send the PSAs. But then he said, well, I'll do one better. How about you come on my show? How'd that feel? <laughs> a little, a little stunning. Uh, that took me took me back a step. Um, but I, I, I learned in program to think on things before reacting. So I, I told him I'd get back to him, and I spoke to a couple other people, uh, PK, one of them, uh, about it, and they uh, they loved the idea. They actually had told me that a dif- another district in Connecticut had done such a thing, and so rather than me. Flying solo, I um, reached out to a few other people, and we had uh, an on-air roundtable discussion oh, uh, about Alan for about an hour on a Thursday evening show. Wow, and, an hour! Uh, yeah, yeah, and it went great. The three of us, PK, Stacy, and myself, uh, represented kind of different facets of recovery. Uh-huh. Uh, myself as a as a spouse and father, and PK as a father. Uh, also dual program guy and, um, Stacy from, uh, uh, her program, uh, which is, uh, lesbian and gay community. And it was really, really great. And, uh, it, I think it went really well. I, I heard a lot of great feedback on it. That is, that's amazing. Um, so I, I think I want to reflect a little bit on, on my experiences with outreach, which have been a little different than yours, obviously. Uh, the um i think the the first i'm trying to remember which came first but but it, there were a couple of uh cases where somebody else in a meeting uh, reached out for uh people for uh, uh personal outreach and in one case one of them is a local treatment center runs uh an education program about drug and alcohol addiction and and related topics and every year they have uh an Al-Anon panel with maybe five people uh, from from Al- the Al-Anon community uh, giving a very quick uh, first step talk, you know, what, what Al-Anon has done for me, and then opening up to questions from the audience. And I, I got, uh, I volunteered for one of those uh, some years back, and it was, uh, it, you know, it was a very um, uh, moving experience, really, uh, to, because you, I heard people in the audience that, are at that point where I was 
some time ago, generally struggling with the uh, addiction or alcoholism of a loved one and trying to uh, figure out what to do. And and hopefully we connect some of those people to to the program. And, and the, the Recovery Center has literature that they hand out, and we bring uh, Al-Anon literature with us. I'm not, I'm not sure that we brought Al-Anon Faces Alcoholism, which is a, an awesome pamphlet, uh, and if if you're listening and you haven't seen this pamphlet, you should you should seek it out. You should have your uh, literature person in your meeting get some for your meeting and put them put them available for people to take. And I would, I took them and and put put some in the, the break room at my work, for example. Which piece was that? Uh? Al-Anon faces alcoholism. Oh, oh my gosh! Yeah, that's that's our primary piece uh, for average. That's the one that you that you're leaving in hospital waiting rooms and so on. Yeah, what we do with that one, you know, Avalon Faces Alcoholism 2015 is the current, uh, 2016 is coming out in the fall. Uh, we order, you know, hundreds at a time. Last order we had 600 English, 400 Spanish, and that was ordered in the fall and they're all gone. But we turn them backwards. The back of it is almost like a poster. It's, uh, you know, blue and white and black and it just says, what can you do when someone close to you drinks too much? You might be surprised at what you can learn at an Avalon meeting. And it gives the 800-888 number and has something I instituted was using these QR codes to scan from your phone and mm-hmm. put them on, on all kinds of literature. And with teens especially, that's a quick way for them to go directly to the you know, ctalanon.org website, which is our local. Oh, I see. So you printed these out on little stickers and you just stick them on the... Uh... Yep. Cool. So I did that and, you know, it was a little scary. Uh Sort of sitting there, and I think the first time I did it, there might have been twenty people, uh, and we were in some sort of a meeting room at at one of the local hospitals. And I've done it several times since, and it's moved from one of these meeting rooms into a larger auditorium, which is it's a little more intimidating. You're sort of sitting on a stage, and everybody's in in these tiered seats uh, uh, looking at you. But to me, it's really important to get the message out, and that was one of the ways that I could get the message out that there is help. Uh, and then uh, somewhere along in there, a friend in the program has a connection with a different local treatment center that had a, um, I think it might've been once a week on Friday evenings, they would have an Ellen on talk for the uh, people who are in the treatment and their families to attend. Uh, and I think every day of the week, they had a different kind of a speaker come in and talk about some aspect of recovery and it was uh, Friday nights. It was Al-Anon, and, and um, my friend said had set up a rotating calendar with like twelve or thirteen different people. So every three months, uh, I would go into this center and give uh, you know maybe a forty-five minute talk uh, about again my experience in Al-Anon, uh, and then uh, time for questions afterwards. And and so wow, talk about nervous the first time walking in there solo. Uh, <laughs> going to stand at a podium in front of a room full of people I don't know and talk about my experience in Al-Anon. Uh, but again, it, it was a message that needed to get out. But also, um, every time I gave the talk, every time I thought about where I had been, you know, as we say, what what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now is the, is the structure of that talk, right? Uh, uh, every time I thought about that, I would see different aspects of it and it and it really helped me to move forward in my recovery 
And if I had recorded those talks over over the uh, couple of years that I was doing it, I think it would have been really interesting to to see the progression of the focus of the talk. Because I'm pretty sure when I started doing it, there was a whole lot about my experience with um, what my loved one was doing at the beginning, a lot more about her and a lot less about me. And by the end of the time I was doing that, it was a lot more about me and how I felt and how I reacted and a lot less about her and what she did um, and what, what, what happened outside of myself. Uh, and that's, um, you know, that, I mean, that certainly is something that, that I've learned in the program uh, and that we talk, you know, we, we focus on is keeping the focus on ourselves, but, Boy, for people who are early in the program, that's that's a really hard thing to do. So those are a couple of experiences that I had of taking outreach out of the room and and out of the context of maybe talking to one person, a friend maybe who's who's having some trouble, and that's happened a couple of times, but taking it out to people I didn't know in some more formal setting. I'm looking at the, the reading here, the bullet points in the reading, and the second bullet point says, outreach is based on attraction rather than promotion. And I wonder if you can reflect on the way in which you do what you've done in the outreach, um, and maybe in particular how the, the panel discussion on the radio show went that highlights that difference between attraction and promotion. Yeah, that's a great question, and it's something we struggle with all the time because, you know, those of us in recovery uh, that have found some serenity and peace of mind, you know, want to want to scream it from the mountaintop, and mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's I've I, I finally found some serenity in my life after four and a half years in the program, and I, I do guard it with my life. I guard it like it's the crown jewels. Um, but it, it's interesting bringing back up the radio show because I'm looking at the PSA CD uh, jacket. And if you don't mind, I'll, I'm going to read it. Uh, sure. This is like kind of an open letter to station managers. And it really sums up a lot about, you know, the, the need and, um, and uh, what it's about, what public outreach is all about. And it starts by saying, approximately 25% of your listeners and their families could benefit from hearing Al-Anon's PSAs on your station. There are 18 million alcoholics in the U.S., according to the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. Each of these 18 million alcoholics disrupts the lives of at least four other people, according to commonly accepted healthcare provider estimates. And then the open letter says, um, Dear Station Manager, Approximately 25% of your station's listening audience has been affected by someone else's drinking. Many of your listeners worry about how much someone else drinks. Some of your listeners have ridden in a car with a driver whose drinking impairs his or her driving. People who have experienced these problems come together at local Al-Anon family groups to find help in dealing with the effects of alcoholism. They will share ways of coping that have helped give them peace of mind and offer support without actually telling anyone what to do. Nearly 16,000 Al-Anon family groups meet every week throughout the U.S. and Canada. The groups that meet in your community provide anonymity confidentiality, and a safe environment. They offer your listeners real hope for a peaceful way of life. And then it concludes by saying, would you consider sharing this valuable information about Al-Anon with the families and friends of problem drinkers in your audience? Please review and consider broadcasting the PSAs from Al-Anon Family Group. And for me, when I'm driving and hear a PSA come on the radio, 
I mean, I can tell you what a wave of gratitude that feels. Uh, just, you know, the idea that someone else out there that was suffering as badly or, or worse than I was uh, might show up next week and fill a seat. So, very grateful. Yeah. Wow, we've talked a lot about uh, resources. You've talked a lot about some of the resources that are available for helping to do outreach. Are there others that you've used that that we haven't mentioned yet? Yeah, there's a lot on the website, but we've narrowed it down to probably you know um, six or eight pieces that we typically use. Mm-hmm. Um, the faces is a real good one because it kind of does double duty. There's a lot of really good uh, stories within the book. It's probably mm-hmm. 25 pages. I mean, for instance, um, there's one here that says, at 16, I learned to take charge of my life. The story from a 16-year-old girl. But um, that's the primary piece we use. And for therapists, we use a really unique and innovative form, I would say, it qualifies as an innovative form of public outreach. It looks like a little prescription pad. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I mean, therapists can write a script to a client to go to a meeting. And on it, they put the, the location of a local meeting and contact information from now on. The faces comes in all kinds of different languages, by the way. We have a pretty strong Spanish liaison in this district. I, I say pretty directly, uh, public outreach has been responsible for getting a few team meetings started in the local high schools. In the high schools? Yeah, in the high school. Wow. Um, that's that's a that's a great idea. They don't have to ask for a ride at night from a parent, and they uh, you know they can uh, fit it in between classes and the schools. Uh, we're starting a new one actually in the fall, and potentially a, a, another right here uh, next next year as well. Wow. But some of the other pieces, the bookmarks are very good. Um, the Alabama Alateen is and is not bookmarked, which kind of just helps professionals and others uh, understand. Al-Anon and Al-Team. Um, this, the, kind of the posture we've adopted here in public outreach is uh, less is more, you know, just kind of a simple slogan or a small, a short explanation of what Al-Anon is, like the bookmarks, and a phone number and a website address. And uh, we have business cards, another innovative uh, item, and the business cards is a typical business card size. Mm-hmm. And has, um, are you troubled by someone else's drinking? And then it has, you know, Al Anon can help. Uh, and the phone number and the website and the QR code, uh, right on the front and on the back in Spanish. And we ordered 5,000 of those last, um, summer and they're all gone. So we hand them out to all over, just drop a pile of cards at the library and the hospital. Uh, treatment centers, and it's it's easy way for someone to take it with them. Um, the concept came from like a little tear off at the bottom of a uh, dog walking service <laughs> to pin up in the supermarket. Mm-hmm. You know, take something with you that you can fit in your pocket, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, and it's and it can be you know anonymous. You can slip it right in with your credit cards into your wallet, and it doesn't have to be hanging out of your pocket. So that's been um, a really good item that we've used. So you talked about ordering several thousand uh, of this and that, and where does the money come from? Uh, it's all supported by our district. Um, okay. We have, um, yeah, our GR meetings take place once a month, and they've made public outreach the highest priority. And um, 
Okay. You know, funds are raised from local groups, and local groups are encouraged to even, um, you know, perhaps on occasion from now time to time, um, pass a separate basket for public outreach. So. Oh, that's that's a brilliant idea. I hadn't thought about that. Mm-hmm. We have a separate basket for allocating on occasion as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, one of one of the meetings that I go to um, has an associated Alateen meeting, which is mm-hmm. which is supported by obviously by the adult meeting uh, in that case because we don't ask the teens to give money. Mm-hmm. I think Alateen in in my area struggles, and I'm not really sure why. I know that that uh, even the the meeting associated with uh, my meeting. Uh, Attendance ranges from zero to, uh, I think, probably a maximum of, of 10 uh, mm-hmm. from week to week, and, and, and it's not, not consistent. And you would, I mean, you would think, one would think that at this, me- at this same time, there's an Al Anon meeting that uh, typically has 20 to 30 people at it. There's an AA meeting that has well over 100, probably 200 people. Um, that there's a huge pool of affected teens uh, in in that community, yeah. but for whatever reason, uh, the meeting struggles, and we we continue to support it. It's always there um, every week, and if if nobody shows up, then the Alateen sponsor comes back into the Al-Anon meeting for the for the evening. But uh, it sounds like. Um, however, it's happening in your area that that your Alateen outreach is being really more effective, and it would be I would actually like to maybe have a conversation with the people who are involved in in making that happen, um, because I'm sure that that this is not just a problem in in my area, and that maybe uh, somebody's listening and is interested in getting more Alateen going. Um, that uh, maybe we could we could we could learn something. Yeah, it's been a priority um, for us and me in particular. I'll give you an example. There was a health fair at uh, the idea of being in a school during the school day. Yeah, seems to be a very effective way to get teens who struggle with you know denial and avoidance, you know, and um, anonymity. Mm-hmm. Very much an issue for them as it is for all of us, no but even more so perhaps for teens. Yeah. yeah, but I'll give you an example. There's a health fair that happened at. Uh, the local high school. It's a, it's a big high school, several thousand. And um, we were invited um, because they knew of us, first of all. The first point was that they were aware because I'd been in touch with uh, therapist social workers at the school uh, to let them know how to reach me. Uh, and there was a health fair coming up uh, at which there were a lot of different organizations represented. And they invited us to have a table there for anonymity purposes, myself, I, I had someone else man the table who happened to be an Alateen sponsor. And part of the issue is also, Spencer, that becoming an Alateen sponsor is quite a process. Yes. Take, you know, four to six months or so. But we're fortunate to have, you know, a half a dozen qualified sponsors and two more in the process of being vetted to become sponsors. And at that health fair, first of all, the idea of attraction to a team is very simple. Just litter the table with candy. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the first thing is uh now and laters uh, and and uh and skittles are all over the table 
but that's the first way to attract. But the the gratitude um, and the, the takeaway there was 52 separate teams took away literature. Wow. So amazing, amazing. Um, that demonstrates that there's definitely a need. Um, we also have pens, for instance, that have just, you know, you troubled by someone else's drinking outline can help with a phone number uh, oh. on a pen. And, you know, about 30 or 40 of those were taken away as well. Brilliant. So you talked about um, having contact with the therapists and, and counselors at the schools. I mean, so there was there was some sort of pre-planning. This is part of your outreach to professionals, I guess, right? Yes. Yeah. And just, you know, so they know where we are, who we are. And, and we just occasionally check in and uh, ask if they'd like literature or try to get a face-to-face meeting. And, um, you know, who knows yeah. where it leads from there. Yeah. Uh, what are the logistics of getting a meeting into school during the school day? Yeah, it takes some doing. I mean, the administrators of the school need to uh, feel that there's a need, um, and you know, then it's up to them to uh, juggle a calendar within the school day to make it work. But it can be done, and it has been done. Um, you know, for the sponsors, they need to be completely vetted, uh, not only through the process with Alan, but also through the police department with background checks and fingerprints. And, uh, you know, it, it takes a little time, but it's been done. And we have now, uh, two and working on a third and a fourth. So, you know, uh, again, the whole purpose is to, um, direct people to find help and, uh, and where it is. Yeah. I'm just thinking that we have, just in our small uh, sort of two-city area here, we've got more than half a dozen high schools, um, and and probably, um, you know, each one of those would probably have to be approached individually, and that would somebody would have to really be dedicated to that to that task, I guess, wouldn't it? Yeah, that's why we have subcommittees with a, with a person at the point of each one. When we do get to the right person or people, uh, it's usually very well received. It's a matter of, you know, the initial effort um, yeah. and someone dedicated to it um, to make those contacts and then follow up. And uh, you know, the whole, again, the whole point is letting people know sooner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, by the way, your question I'm leaving out about uh, how do we preserve our anonymity? I was just going to move on to that, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, just uh, just a funny aside, because the radio show happens to be right here in my hometown um, that we did a few weeks ago. I, um, for anonymity purposes, my children go to school here. Um, yeah. I chose uh, an alias, and uh, I have you to thank because I was Spencer. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, even though I know Peter. I don't know, going on five years, I had to put post-it notes on his microphone, my microphone, and on my chest of my uh, shirt. Uh, but he still managed to sneak Eric in there two or three times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it's okay. I've done that. Uh, we've done that a few times on the podcast where somebody, yeah. one of the guests, yeah. or uh, I, in one case, we did a uh, we did a parents' roundtable um, mm-hmm. a while ago now. And all four of our guests used different names than than their usual names, and uh, all four of them knew each other because we all went to uh, went to the same home group. And a couple of times, people would slip up, and that's where 
the fact that that I edit the uh, the podcast before I put it up on the web was really helpful because I was able to take those uh, and those references to the person's actual name out. Um, and and I have a couple of regular guests who uh, more than a couple I think who who use a different name uh, in their in their outreach uh, on the podcast and. Uh, you know, when again, when I know somebody by one name and I have to call them by another, it it, it took a little bit of work, uh, but uh, it's becoming more second nature. Okay, when I'm when we're on the podcast, this is your name, and when we're relating in real life, it's a different name, and uh, and and that works out pretty well. Um, uh, it does help for me that we I have this script and the person's name is is printed in the script, the name that they're using on the podcast so that I can remind myself, Oh yes, this person is, is so-and-so not such and such. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's one, one thing. I mean, but when you're out there at the, at the fairs or whatever, I mean, obviously you're sitting behind a table and, and it's you, um, but you're not on the radio or the TV or in the newspaper while you're doing that. And so in terms of the, the tradition of anonymity in Al-Anon, uh, you're adhering to that uh, because you know if somebody from the newspaper came and took a picture of you at the fair and published it in the newspaper, then that would be a problem, right? Oh yeah, um, you know there's places where I want to protect my anonymity or the anonymity of my qualifiers or my family. I, I just would ask someone else to represent the group at that event, you mm-hmm. know, such as we did at the high school. Uh-huh. Um, and such as I did by using my AKA Spencer C. Yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, it's very, very important um, to remain anonymous so that our words and actions don't affect someone else negatively and hurt them or harm them. And that's certainly not the purpose. Yep. So. Um, have you, has your your committee, your group, yourself, um, cooperated with maybe other recovery groups or other programs to help carry um, the general message of recovery? Uh, yeah, well, we interact with AA. We uh, attend open AA meetings to speak. Uh, we've done that. There's something called a roundup where we have representatives uh, go to distribute literature. Um, and, um, you know, they're certainly at... Uh, Conventions, uh, which are open to all 12 set programs essentially. Yeah. We always have a table, uh, for outreach and usually have someone speaking, uh, on outreach or service. So yes, absolutely. It's an important part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's one of the things that I feel doesn't, doesn't happen here is, is open Al-Anon talks. Um, mm-hmm. there's, there's a couple or three regularly scheduled open AA meetings with speaker, speaker meetings. Um, but there's no equivalent for Al-Anon and, and I've never heard of, uh, an Al-Anon giving a talk at one of the, the open AA meetings. That's an interesting, I mean, I certainly have listened to plenty of Al-Anon talks that were obviously happening at an AA convention or something. But but um, never seen that happen locally. So to think about that. Yeah, it's actually surprisingly difficult. I, I uh, my, one of the subcommittees I elected myself to run for uh, public outreach in our district was, you know, coordination with um, and uh, with AA meetings yeah. and AA members. Yeah. And it's been actually surprisingly, you know, I haven't haven't been welcomed with open arms. Let's put it yeah. that way. But I'm going to continue. There is such a position that's called an AA liaison, 
mm-hmm. which I'm considering stepping up for mm-hmm. uh, to interact with them and to go speak at some of their meetings when invited to do so. Yeah. so. What I'm I'm curious, and this is a little bit off topic, but it's connected to this cooperation. What, how are um, people who are in you know, AANA, one of those other programs received in Elanon groups in your area? Um, yeah, very openly. I don't think uh, I've ever had an issue with uh, someone attending a meeting uh, that feels they hate to, whatever program they're in. Good. Uh, Good. We, have, we have a lot of dual members uh, in this area. And we, you know, an anniversary meeting, which we have a lot of around here, as you can imagine, the 29 meetings a week, mm-hmm. um, we always have an AA speaker. Um, almost always. And, uh, they, they, the thing about, um, the members in AA, when, when asked to do service, I guess it's one of their traditions. They basically can't say no. <laughs> unless they have a conflict. Yeah. They, uh, they, they virtually always say yes, unless there's a, just a, a scheduling conflict. Yeah. So one of the things that, that we do in our area in every year, um, a nearby city has a, what they call a heritage festival, which has a whole bunch of, you know, some historic reenactments, but also has this huge section of booths from local uh, nonprofits and so on. That, And so there's always a booth with uh, AA and Al-Anon together, maybe NA too, I'm not sure, um, that's sponsored by the local area intergroup. Uh, and, uh, and there's a call that goes out starting um, actually about now for this thing that's happening in August for people to volunteer to take a two-hour shift in the booth. Uh, and I, uh, I did that once. It's not, at, it hasn't been at a convenient time of year for me. Um, for the last several years, it overlapped with getting kids off to college. Um, and uh, and now I don't have kids going to college, so I might actually be able to do it again this year. And it, you know, it's kind of fun. You're sitting there. It's a, you know, a sunny, usually sunny because it's August, uh, um, you know, afternoon or evening, uh, sitting in a booth with a bunch of people. Uh, you know, generally having conversation and then talking to uh, people as they wander up to the booth and start looking at the literature that's on the table and maybe they have some questions or something. Um, and it's, uh, you know, certainly the first the first year I did it, I was like, oh my god, somebody's going to walk by that knows me. And now I'm like, whatever. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm, uh, you know, I'm not I'm not out there saying shouting from the rooftops, hey, I'm in Al-Anon, But if somebody knows I'm in Al-Anon, uh it doesn't bother me. It's not a, it's not an issue for me now, person at the personal level. You know, you know I don't have any kind of like position in the community that would be harmed by somebody knowing that I'm an Al-Anon, and 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 to some extent, this whole oh my god, they're going to know that there's an alcoholic in my family thing. I mean, that is that was the that was the stigma feeling that I had on myself when I came into the program, um, and uh, and that's pretty much gone. It's, and and part of that is the fact that, you know, my wife's very open about being in recovery as well. And so um, she has said, for example, that it's okay for me to say my wife on the podcast. So I have her personal permission to do that. Um, but I certainly don't talk about, you know, her program, what she's doing in her program, whatever that might be. Um, so there's, you know, I think the anonymity thing, when we come in, um, we feel like it's, it covers everything. Like it's this big secret. And, and, uh, and luckily the program leaves it up to us, uh, to make a personal decision about how we want to protect our own anonymity and where the program asks us to go out and do something in public and we don't feel comfortable about it. We can say no. And I just wanted to 
briefly touch on uh, outreach as service and uh, maybe some of the other ways in which you've done outreach, maybe at a more personal level in, in service in the program? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I uh, Some other things I've done in the last few years, I started a men's group. You know, there, there just wasn't one, and I thought it was important. I looked for it at their men's groups, you know, 20 miles, 30 miles away. Uh, I went to a few, and I, I liked the feel. It's just a different feel, and I uh, didn't see one here. So adopted the Let It Begin With Me policy mm-hmm. and started one. And uh, we're going, we just had our second anniversary uh, a month ago. And we have the contact list there is probably 35 deep. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's Saturday afternoons at 5 o'clock. The average meeting we have 6 to 10, mm-hmm. I would mm-hmm. say. And we mix it up. We have speakers on occasion. Like, uh, the perfect example you mentioned earlier, we... Yeah, I try to bring in a speaker, for instance, from AA uh, sometimes, and we've done that. We've started um, a four-step meeting specifically, you know, using the blueprint for mm-hmm. progress. Yeah, I, and I'm also the group rep and chair of public efforts. So, wow, you're busy. Uh, I'm fairly busy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it's all very gratifying work. And that when you talked about starting a meeting, I reflect back to the. Uh, the conversation I had last week with Akila about uh, the concepts of service. Uh, we were talking about concepts four and five in particular, and concept four, participation is the key to harmony. And she talked about uh, something that happened in one of her groups where a member spoke up and said, you know, they ought to have a meeting on Tuesdays. They ought to have a meeting on Tuesdays. And and your response there was, I want a men's group, and I'm willing to take the energy to get it going. That's exactly where I got the the the, uh, the thought of uh, letting let it begin with me came exactly from the podcast with Akila from yesterday that I listened to. Oh, well, uh, hey. that story. <laughs> yeah, look at that. Yeah, that's that is definitely a form of service. Um, you know, personally, yeah. um, I've been more in the group, um, doing things like chairing a meeting. Um, you know, selecting speakers for the meetings where we we open the meeting with a speaker. One of my one of my meetings has a uh, a meeting for newcomers after the regular meeting. Uh, I've chaired that a number of times, and that is a form of outreach too. Somebody comes to an Al-Anon meeting, and this particular meeting there's there's typically between sixty and ninety people at this particular meeting. So uh, somebody who's new uh, really doesn't have you know, uh, really an opportunity or a chance to uh, to say anything, to ask any questions during the meeting. So the, the, the newcomer meeting after the meeting is an opportunity for somebody who's like, well, I'm here. I'm not sure why I'm here. I have a whole bunch of questions about what the heck goes on here. It's an opportunity right. for them to, to get those questions addressed, to find out a little bit more. Maybe the meeting topic was step nine, and it's their very first meeting. And they're like, I don't, I don't know what the hell this has to do with the, you know, my loved one who's drinking too much. Um, and we can redirect and say, you know, well, we can also say, you know, keep coming back, obviously, but we can talk about what what the Al-Anon program is about. And so, you know, those are some of the ways in which which I've given service uh, and and outreach, really, to some extent, locally in my life. And and then, of course, there's the podcast, which is is outreach on a different level, and it's not officially Al-Anon. And and actually, I was looking at one of the outreach documents that you sent, and and uh, I feel like I'm actually falling within those guidelines pretty well. I think um, I do say Al-Anon on the website. They point out Al-Anon is a trademark. 
And I'm really conflicted about the way in which I use the term Al-Anon because I feel like it's valuable for people to be able to find this podcast when they're looking for it. And if I don't put Al-Anon somewhere in the description of the podcast, then people who are searching for Al-Anon podcast, they're not going to find it. So I don't feel quite right about it, but I don't know how to not do it and, and still have people who are reaching out for help be able to find the help here. Um, but I do try to focus on the fact that what we're doing here in the podcast is we're individuals talking about our own personal experience, focusing on how the al program has helped us in our lives, but really more generally just about a 12-step program and other recovery topics. It's not meant to be a direct al outreach, but it is a form of outreach, which so it's a tough balance. I love the, um, there's a, uh, a flyer that came out for the Alamont Faces Alcoholics in 2016. Mm-hmm. And I love a quote. I'm looking at it as you were talking. And it says, reach out to those who are still suffering. And then there's a quote from someone named Jessica from Massachusetts, which I think really sums up the way I feel about public outreach. And it says, quote, when I see a chair that stays empty throughout the entire meeting, I say a prayer for the person who needs hasn't yet found Alan. Pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. And I guess it must be at uh, open AA meetings where they close the meeting with a prayer for the alcoholic who's still suffering. Right. And uh, that's uh, that's something that we don't, at least in the meetings that I go to, we haven't really talked about. It might be something for me to bring up in a group conscience to say, you know, maybe we, maybe we could say something a little more explicit about the the people who are who are still out there who are not who haven't found us yet. Yeah, I've heard me disclose that way. I like it too. That's a good point. Um, so I want to want to close up this discussion, um, and I wonder if you have any reflections on how um, service in general and outreach in particular has uh, helped to support and enhance your own recovery. Yeah, I uh, I would say just very briefly. You know, it just helps me to get outside of myself. The rewards that I experience in doing service such as this just keep coming in just amazing ways. Uh, you know, just the fact that I found you in this podcast and now you and I are doing this. Um, for me, it's just, uh, I'm not sure how to pinpoint exactly how it helps. It just makes me feel good. And I feel good to know that perhaps I helped someone find a way into a room that's suffering because I was that person. And I didn't know where to turn. And thank God I found my way into the rooms. And I'm a great person for it. And, um, you know, that, that's really how it's enhanced my recovery is, you know, just uh, as as service does in, in all cases. It just helps us get out of our own situation and uh, stretch a hand out to someone in need. So that's kind of my thoughts. I think I would echo that. And to add, I think I might have said this earlier, but that, um, one of the things that doing sort of personal public outreach, in other words, in telling my story, whether in a short form or a long form, it brings me back to why I'm here. And it brings me back to recognizing um, the way in which my life has changed um, as a result of um, working this program, the, the benefits that the program has brought to me. Um, and And secondly, to know that Maybe I'm helping somebody else um, find it. 
one of my sponsors would close his his open talk with the uh, some something like this. He says, uh, "You may not believe that this program will help you, but I hope you understand that it has the ways that it has helped me." And it's that sort of personal statement I think can be really powerful. Like, I know you're here, you're skeptical, you don't understand how this is gonna how this is gonna help you, and 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 maybe that reflects back to my personal experience of uh, several years before I came into Al-Anon, um, people would tell me, you know, you should, you, you could really benefit from going to Al-Anon, meaning you should really go to Al-Anon. But what was missing in that statement was sort of any, anything I could connect to that, that would help me understand why I would want to do that. Why would I want to spend time in my week going to a, freaking 12-step meeting. Mm-hmm. And and I think that when we can do outreach and when we can share some of our own personal story, I think that might have been a lot more effective for me and might have got me into the room sooner, which brings me back to what you said at the beginning about hearing people say, I wish I'd gotten here sooner, I wish I'd known sooner. Well, I sort of knew, but I didn't know enough. Mm-hmm. And the more of us who can carry that message of, of sort of personal recovery, I think um, the sooner people will find us. And yeah, so coming back to the beginning. Yeah, I saw a sign, maybe we'll just finish up with this idea that um, I saw a sign driving through a meeting. It was on a church marquee and it said, you can't give away kindness. It always comes back. And for me, you know, I'd say the same thing. Yeah. I just can replace that word with service. I can't give away service. It always comes back. And for me, the rewards of doing service have been a huge part of my recovery. Okay, thank you. After a short break, we will continue with our lives and recovery, where we talk about how recovery works in our daily lives and in our meetings. Um, Eric, you have a a musical selection to talk about. Yeah, our first uh, selection, which you can listen to on the website at therecoveryshow.com slash 115 is by Jason Braz, and it's called Three Things. I like the song quite a bit because basically the three things he talks about, and you'll hear it in the lyrics, are number one is kind of surrender. Yeah. He says the three things I do when my life falls apart. Uh, Number one, I cry my eyes out and dry up my heart. The second is gratitude, uh, that he closes both his eyes and says his thank yous for each moment of his life. And the third is letting go. Um, I pause, take a breath, and I let the chapter end. And then working his program by moving forward, he tries, he try, try again. So enjoy. In this section of the podcast, we talk about our lives in recovery, what's happening in our meetings and our lives this week. And if we reflect back over the week, um, it's been as you, I think y'all are getting tired of hearing me say this, but it's been a, a busy week for me. Um, as I was saying to, to Eric earlier, I think before we started, the, I recorded the, the last podcast with Akila last Sunday, today's Sunday, so a week ago, and finding time to do the post-production editing that I do on the podcast to uh, to make it a little, little shorter, a little tighter, uh, cut out some ums, cut out uh, misstatements and so on. It, it it always takes a few hours, a couple at least a couple hours for me to do that for a one hour, uh, if I have a one hour podcast, and uh, 
fitting that hour or two or three into my week um, was difficult this week. I didn't actually finish the editing until Friday, and I think I might not have actually gotten the podcast posted to the website until yesterday. And so I just have to remind myself that I'm doing I'm doing what I can with the time that I have, and that if I sort of overwork myself, it's it's not good for me or anybody. And these are things that, I, that I've learned uh, in recovery, that uh, when I try to do too much, I don't do well on anything. I've been really focused a, a lot on work. Work has been, uh, there's been, you know, things in the evening, there's been things on the weekend where I have to check on something that's, that's happening. And in fact, after we finish talking today, I have to go check and see if uh, something that's been running for the last four days has finished. Um, I'm, I'm a computer programmer, um, and so when I say running, it's 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 doing something on um, on a computer, yeah. And so keeping my life in balance is it's a lot easier than it than it was before I came into program because I do have some of these principles and I do have these things I can fall back to a little bit of prayer and meditation to sort of set the opening of the day uh, to keep me uh, keep me on center and uh, and working working the steps in all aspects of my life in particular uh, step 10 uh, about personal taking personal inventory and when I'm wrong promptly admitted it has uh, continues to be very useful because if something goes wrong and things do go wrong and I feel it's my fault which I do because that's the kind of person that I am I can I can I can stop I can say hmm okay what happened here uh, how much of this is actually mine what's my part and I can admit my part, uh, and move forward rather than sort of, as I used to do carrying this thing, well, I screwed this thing up and I'm not going to tell anybody and nobody knows. And I hope nobody notices. And yeah, that just, it, it, it's not calming. It's not spiritually centering. It's not serene. Uh, and, uh, being able to, to use these tools to keep keep my life clean as it were to keep my side of the street clean as we like to say is is really really helpful when when life is stressful meetings we had i went to my uh my step meeting yesterday morning uh we were on step 12 which has uh, always been one of my favorite steps because it carries within it the promise of recovery. It says having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps it doesn't say well we might have woke up says, no, we have had a spiritual awakening. And and the first time I worked Step 12, it challenged me to say, well, how have I had a spiritual awakening? And and do that looking back. You know, where was I two years ago? Where am I now? Oh, my God, wow, that's so different. And, of course, looking back now from more than 10 years later, um, it's continued to change and continued to get better. But what I what I reflected on in the meeting yesterday was um, the the third part of Step 12 about carrying the message because I was looking forward to, you know, our conversation today about public outreach and how we carry the message and, and, uh, and the different ways in which I have personally have carried the message and about, um, ways in which I might, um, also want to think about carrying the message in, in future. So that was a good meeting. My Sunday night meeting is something really interesting happened there. And I don't think it's, I don't think the two things are a result of, uh, uh, or one follows the other, but a few weeks ago we had a group conscience because the meeting had been getting larger. And um, this is one of these Michigan meetings where we have tables. And so we had two tables and, and each table has, has a topic that they choose at the table. And 
discussion goes around the table and we try to give everybody a chance to share. And the, the tables have been getting bigger and bigger and there's some pressure to, to get done on time. And it's, it started to feel like people weren't having, maybe having the chance to share as much as they needed to. And so the meeting voted to add a third table which entailed rearranging the room and there was a sliding partition we could put between the two tables that we can't do now. And so there was some discussion about it, but they decided to do that. And the very next week, the attendance was like half what it had been. And then last week, the attendance was still, I think, small enough that we actually collapsed back to only two tables. And I don't think the one was really the cause that the fact that we split into three tables was the cause of all of a sudden people not showing up. Um, I think it just has to do with the fact that the weather got nice and the local universities uh, uh, finished their semester and we get a fair number of young people in, presumably from the university community, although we don't ask, right? Uh, uh, but it was, it, was, it was this kind of ironic thing like, oh, we split into three tables because we were getting so big and all of a sudden we're not so big. I, I expect that we'll go back to, to being larger again. I don't remember what the topic was at the table last Sunday, but... Um, it's always good to uh, it's always good for me to get to a meeting. I think that's what I've got about my week. How about you? The weather has been so beautiful here. Um, did some gardening. Got my garden set up this week. But in the rooms, I've been to. I think I did two or three face to face meetings last week. My home group Thursday. I've forgotten the topic, but it was a very very good meeting. Uh, that meeting is about twenty twenty people or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been around a long time. One of the older meetings in town, probably. 35 years or so. Mm-hmm. And um, the Saturday men's group last night topic was guilt. And uh, mm. that was that was a good, yeah, ouch. But also a very, very good meeting. Some people really shared about what's on their hearts and minds. And uh, what's so gratifying in these meetings to see um, there's one person at the meeting who's been coming to meetings for years, he says. And, um, you know, kind of, Gave it lip service, showed up, uh, half listened, went away, and problems didn't improve. You know, he, he his attitude didn't change. And recently, I've noticed a very drastic change in him. He's not just reciting a list of indiscretions of uh, committed uh, crimes committed by his qualifiers. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's starting to speak about himself, and I guess I just see him lightening. I see the weight being lifted. You know, to not obsess over someone else's behavior. So, really gratifying to see that uh, last night. Otherwise, it's been you know a kind of an average week. No, no terrific highs, no terrific lows, which is a very good thing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I was invited to jump on the crazy train a couple of times, I chose not to and let the doors close and watched it pull out of the station. And uh, <laughs> I also yesterday had a, a really nice lunch and meeting with my sponsor. And uh, we talked about the step I'm currently working on, which is the sixth step. Uh, how do I identify character defects and ask uh, ask for his help to re- to remove them? Yeah, he pointed out a very interesting concept. It's, you know, we don't demand they be removed, and we can't we can't expect uh, to know which will be removed, and 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 they may not all be. Uh, all we can do is is ask, and uh, and it's up to him. So. That was a, a really nice uh, way to look at it. You know, I got stuck on step four for a very long time. I think a lot of us do. A lot of us do, yeah. Uh, that's, yeah, I, I, probably a year and a half I spent. And 
that that's part of the reason we started a four step meeting on Fridays and uh do a step uh every every two weeks we move on to a new chapter. First we read the chapter and the next we review it again and before moving on to the next. And it wasn't I guess if you believe in coincidence or not, but it was about exactly a year. We didn't plan it that way. It was arbitrary that we chose two weeks for each chapter. And in a year we were on the last chapter and uh finished it and moved on. And uh I did five with my sponsor two months ago and eager to move forward. Uh and so that's that's it. And uh I'm headed down a visit with my mom and dad today mm-hmm. in Pennsylvania. Um and then back and hopefully have a nice Sunday night and Monday with my daughters doing a barbecue, playing some tennis, jumping in a pool, going to the beach, anything fun. And that's, that's the plan. Looking forward. Uh, haven't really decided uh, what I want to talk about next week, but uh, topics that I'm thinking about include obsessive thinking uh, or caretaking or detachment. We welcome your thoughts. You can join the conversation. Please leave a voicemail or send us an email with your feedback or your questions or your sharing. Eric, how can people send us feedback? Uh, you can call and leave a voicemail at 734-707-8795. Uh, call right now, 734-707-8795. Uh, you can also use the voicemail button on the website to join the conversation from your computer. If you prefer not to use your voice, you can send email to feedback at therecoveryshow.com. We'd love to hear from you, share your experience, strength, and hope, uh, or your questions about today's topic of outreach and service, or any of uh, or any of our upcoming topics. If you have a topic you'd like us to talk about, let us know. And you can find out everything that you need to know about The Recovery Show at our website, which again is therecoveryshow.com. So all the information about the show, including notes for each episode, links to the music that we talk about, um, actually better than links because I always try to find a YouTube video that you can play right on the website, Uh, links to some other recovery podcasts and recovery websites. Uh, And in particular, uh, in the notes for today's show, which will be at therecoveryshow.com slash 115, uh, I will be putting links to the various outreach resources that we talked about earlier in the show so that uh, if you want to step up your outreach game in your area, uh, you can find them easily. Uh, there are many ways to contribute to the content of the podcast. And as Akila said last week, in our, and we we're talking about participation, uh, where she was feeling like, oh, I wish, I wish they would do it differently. They would say this, they would say that on the podcast. And she thought, well, um, if I really want uh, something to be said, I can say it myself. And, you know, you can contribute with your voice or with your words uh, to the podcast in, in uh, you know, by sending an email, by leaving comments on the website, by calling and leaving a voicemail, or by, as Eric is doing this week, uh, participating in recording a full show. And if you're interested in doing that, uh, email, again, feedback at com, and we can talk about it. We'll take a short break before looking at our mailbag. The second musical selection, which is also available on the website, is Give Me Your Eyes by Brandon Heath. And Eric suggested this song, and I looked at it, and I love it. The refrain in the song is, Give me your eyes for just one second. Give me your eyes so I can see everything that I keep missing. 
And this reminds me of the way in which we recover in this program through sharing each other's experience, strength, and hope. Uh, how we can see ourselves differently through each other's eyes. And, and I have had that experience so many times in a meeting of somebody sharing their own experience and it illuminating something that I'm missing about myself, about my own life. Just had a little bit of communication this week. Um, Brian left a comment on the website. He was responding to the letter that Kelly and Swetha wrote um, a year and a half ago now about leaving the show. And Eric, could you read that? I may be 18 months late, but I wanted to say what an amazing team sponsor Kelly and Swetha were. And thank you all. Uh, thank you for what you did. I've been listening to the show every opportunity I get for the last month and finally made it to changes. It was hard to listen to but that is a part of life, too. I selfishly admit that I wish it could have gone on. But I have enough programming in me now, thanks mostly to you guys, to understand why you need to prioritize self-care and your serenity. Just know that today and years from now, your work will be will live on. In fact, I recommended the podcast to someone in need today. Thank you for being brilliant, shining examples of recovery. And for motivating me to stop being present in the program and start working the program. Thank you always. And since I'm finally starting to feel comfortable saying this to friends in recovery, love you guys. Bye. And thank you, Brian. As Brian said, he recommended the podcast to somebody. And I know, Eric, you've, you've said you've recommended it to some, some friends also. Obviously, you can just uh, talk about it. You can, you know, tell people, hey, the recovery show, uh, go search for it. Or, uh, but we also do have um, on our website um, a link to a PDF file that you can print out and make business cards that are easy to hand out. Um, and also, I uh, just want to emphasize we are not conference-approved literature here on the podcast, so if you are recommending it to friends, please do it before or after your meetings, not during the meeting. Thanks. Any thoughts on, on Brian's share? Yeah, uh, you know, he has... As with, with I, are uh, very appreciative of your show, Spencer. I get a lot out of it. It's always there. Um, it's just a click away. I can choose a topic that, you know, I might be, uh, thinking about and, um, generally can find it. And I, I really enjoy it. And, you know, I, I, um, the way I've chosen, uh, some of the ways I've chosen to, um, get the word out about your podcast is, I do the, uh, because again, they, they weren't really being updated. The contact lists at two or three meetings that I attend, you know, were old and outdated and, and people that would come in, um, you know, wouldn't put their name on because they didn't know to do so. So mm-hmm. I've been keeping those, um, current and, um, I've chosen after we had a group conscious discussion about it to put on the bottom, you know, other sources, uh, of uh, help and hope uh, experience uh, that you might find enjoyable. And I put the recoveryshow.com address right there, hmm. um, along with a couple other, like the phone bridge, phone numbers, um, and yeah. in the rooms.com. And, uh, and so, yeah, that's, uh, that's another way of, of uh, in some way, a little bit of public service and public outreach to get the word out where the, where the help exists and how to get there. But yeah, and, uh, I'm grateful for Brian's share because it, it, uh, it also has a, a good sense of gratitude for 
lovely that you uh, represent on your show. Thanks. Um, and, and I like it that you talked about making a decision in the group conscience because that is, that is how we, we do things, um, in Illinois. Mm-hmm. It, the group, the group can decide, um, each group is independent and can decide, um, exactly how they want to go about, uh, spreading the word. Thanks for that example. And, um, we got a voicemail from Brian. I think this is probably not the same Brian, but who knows? Um, talking about the episode on fun. Hi, Spencer. This is Brian J. And I am completely blown away right now. Um, just listened to fun and heard you read my email and answer my questions. And I'm just very grateful to be heard. Um, I was working up the courage to leave some feedback on the episode and then heard you talk about my specific questions. Just amazing. So fun. Um, I wanted to see what the line was you thought, uh, between fun and escapism because some of the things that I find fun, um, I find that inside myself, the reason I'm doing them is to escape and not just to have fun. Um, I think there's some level of joy in there that, you know, escapism can be more of a negative thing and the joy is what you're really trying to get at. Um, as far as just routine things, um, I think there's some aspects of fun where, like, even though they may just be habitual, that there's a sense of accomplishment that can really nourish you. And while it may not be fun, I think there's some positive aspects to that, too. Um, one of my favorite al on stories is a friend who shared that one of the things she did to have fun was just to blow bubbles and just the childlike amusement from that was just amazing. And the picture I got in my mind from that was just wonderful. Um, wanted to also uh, give you some feedback on my situation. Um, instead of using the match.com for sponsorship, I used God.com and uh, actually brought it up in a meeting. And a friend in the program um, said they knew of someone who might be able to sponsor me, and uh, unfortunately, I've met him a couple times, and it seems like a good fit. Um, not completely an Al-Anon member, has a lot of experience in another 12-step program, but I think that perspective will be even more useful as we work the steps, so I'm really looking forward to that. Another thing I realized about myself was that I needed to put halt into effect more. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired, and one of the things that I struggle with a lot is the lonely. So what I'm doing is trying to see if I can start um, more meetings in my community and uh, see if I can find that community of people more my age and such. And um, I'm working on that now. Um, I think there's a good possibility that I might be able to, but I will definitely keep in touch. Again, thanks for everything, and looking forward to hearing the next one. Appreciate it. Thanks, Brian, for that uh, that share and for the. Uh, I love you, God. dot com. Putting 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 uh, asking God into a, a modern uh, vernacular. Um, wow, a lot of stuff in there. Um, any thoughts, Eric? Yeah, a lot in there. Uh, I mean, is there actually a God. dot com website? <laughs> you know, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't think that's what he meant. Wow. You know, <laughs> I, I think I, yeah, that 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 uh, URL must have been locked up early. Um, 
I, well, yeah, he he covered a lot of ground in that voicemail. The one thing at the end that really struck me and caught my attention was he wants to start some meetings. Yeah, uh, you know, you know, his community needs more meetings, and he has adopted the posture, let it begin with me, and taking it on himself. So, inspirational. Thanks for sharing. And and just from your personal experience in starting a meeting, I, I'm assuming there's a fair amount of effort that goes into that. Is that true? Um, you know, the, the, uh, yeah, there is. I mean, you have to get the literature together and the script together. It's all accessible online. Um, really, the effort really is motivation. The first and biggest effort is to, to, to say, I'm going to do it, and here's how I'm going to do it, and I'm going to follow it through and get it done. Um, awareness, acceptance, and action. I was aware I needed a meeting that didn't exist. I accept that there's not one, and I'm going to take the actions needed to start one. And uh, then it's finding, finding a room. And I just called around until I found someone willing to volunteer a beautiful room for us to use. And uh, from there, it, it just happened. Mm-hmm. Did you go around to other meetings and say, hey, I'm starting this meeting? Um, come support us? Or how, how did you get the word out that the meeting existed? Yeah, the uh, the GRs uh, announced it at the other meetings. Um, I think I did a flyer and passed it out at other meetings and posted it um, on at churches and elsewhere um, that there's a new meeting. And, uh, you know, the seats filled up. And so far, so good. Okay, well, I hope uh, hope Brian has a similar experience because uh, it is, uh, it's a great a great piece of service there, Brian, to, uh, to be starting new meetings. Um, so thanks. Thanks for the call. Yeah. Fun, fun and escapism at the beginning of the talk at the beginning of the call. Also, uh, you know, sometimes, sometimes I do, I, I admit it. Sometimes I do things because I'm just not wanting to face whatever's happening right now. And I think as long as I don't do that excessively, I don't, I don't see a huge problem with that. I mean, obviously it'd be better to be able to, uh, do the awareness acceptance action thing on whatever it is that's bothering me right now, but sometimes um, I need that pause between uh, maybe awareness and acceptance. Uh, so uh, don't don't uh, I, I didn't hear you kicking yourself for it. I heard you wondering about it, and uh, yeah, it is it is interesting question. So that's it for uh, for uh, communication this week. It uh, doesn't cost you anything to listen to The Recovery Show. We do have expenses. They run about $60 a month. You can help to support us and keep us on the web and in your ear in a couple of ways. We have a donation button on the website where you can support us directly, just like Natalie, Anthony, and Ann did. And thank you again, Natalie, Anthony, and Ann, for your uh, direct support of The Recovery Show. We also have a list of recovery-related books. There's a books link currently at the top of the page on the website, as I said last week. Um, need to be redesigning the website layout to make it more phone-friendly, and that's probably going to move when I do that, but it will still be there. Uh, and uh, if you order one of these books through Amazon uh, from our website, we will receive a small commission, and in fact, anything you order from Amazon after you click on the link will help us. Uh, it costs you nothing extra, and it helps to keep us on the air, and I want to thank the people who've done that over the last few months because uh, I did get uh, an email from Amazon saying, here's your... Uh, Here's a little gift card for you, um, and uh, and that does help us. Uh, one of the one of the people that we're paying for uh, for storage space uh, for the website is is Amazon, so that goes directly back sometimes. Thank you for your support in whatever form you give it, including just listening, or as we said, tell your friends about us. We are here for you.
And uh, Eric, you want to talk about the uh, third song selection? Sure. Uh, this one is uh, one I've been listening to a lot in the last few months because it really reflects kind of where I've come, uh, where I've, what I've come through, and where I am today. And its uh, song title is Saturdays by John Mayer. And uh, the refrain, the verse says a lot. It says, uh, I'm a good man with a good heart, had a tough time, got a rough start, but I finally learned to let it go. Now I'm right here, and I'm right now. And I'm hoping, knowing somehow, that my shadow days are over. My shadow days are over. So I'm stepping out of the shadows and into the light today. Thank you so much, Spencer. Thank you, Eric. And thank you for listening. And please keep coming back. Whatever your problems, there are those among us who have had them too. If we did not talk about a problem you are facing today, feel free to contact us so we can talk about it in a future episode. May understanding, love, and peace grow in you one day at a time.